Amen. Amen. I am excited about getting into the Word with you guys this morning. We are continuing our series uh, through the Gospel of Luke, Good News, and uh, uh, this journey through the Gospel. And uh, so as we continue that this morning, we're going to see that everything that Jesus does is an extension of his mandate from Isaiah 61. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. He's, he's anointed me to bring uh, sight to the blind or deliver the captive. Everything we see do, Jesus do is Jesus living on mission and living out his missional mandate. And so whether it infuriates people, whether it confuses people, whether it amazes people, Jesus proclaims and demonstrates the gospel of the kingdom. He proclaims and demonstrates. That, that is an important understanding that we see in the gospel of Luke and we see throughout the life and the ministry of Jesus is that he not only proclaims the good news, he demonstrates the good news. He lives it out. He shows what it means to be, to be part of the kingdom of God. Uh, of course, uh, that, that reminds us then that as followers of Jesus, we are called to do the same. We're called to gospel proclamation and, and gospel demonstration. We're called to stay on the mission to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom. Then this morning's passage is, is no different. Jesus is on mission. He's going to live it out. He has this missional mandate. And so everywhere he goes, he has this mandate in mind. So let's jump in the scripture this morning. If you've got your Bible, you go ahead and open it up because we are going to be in, in, in Luke this morning. But I want us to understand something is that miracles have meaning. Miracles have meaning. This morning we're going to look at three miracle stories and two that are obviously miracle stories and one that may not be as obvious at first. And, but, but here's the thing about miracles. Miracles have meaning. Sometimes... Jesus heals because of faith. Sometimes Jesus heals because of compassion. Sometimes Jesus heals to prove a point. And sometimes Jesus heals simply because that's his nature. That's who he is. And so miracles have meaning. So let's get into these stories this morning. The first thing, and if you're taking notes, is that Jesus makes us clean. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16 says, while he was in one of the towns, a man who was there who had leprosy all over him, he saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then he ordered him to tell no one, but go out and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. All right, let's talk about leprosy for a moment. All right, let's talk about leprosy for a minute. Leprosy is sort of this catch-all term for a variety of skin diseases. And leprosy, if you had leprosy, it made you unclean. What does that mean, unclean? Well, whether you were clean or unclean, that was about ceremonial worship. If something was designated unclean, it could not take part in worship, in corporate worship, in community. 
And there were multiple things that made someone unclean. My wife is, uh, she's, uh, she has her Bible reading plan, but she also is, is listening to uh, the Bible chronologically. So in the, in, in the evenings or in the afternoons, she has her, her, her one reading plan that she does. But in the mornings, she's listening to the Bible chronologically. And she's in Leviticus. And Leviticus is all about law and all about clean and unclean and ceremony. And so if, if it was designated unclean, you could not participate in worship. You had to actually leave the community. And it wasn't always about sin. Sometimes it was sickness that could make you unclean. Bleeding could make you unclean. Contact with a dead animal could make you unclean. Uh, 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 many things made you unclean. And if you were unclean, you had to withdraw from the community. You had to take the designated time, do the designated washings or rituals, and go to the priest and then be declared clean again. But until you could be declared clean, you had to separate from the community. And so this guy, while he was in one of the towns Jesus was, this man with leprosy all over him, came and fell down at Jesus' feet and said, make me clean, please. The leper is fully aware of two things. He's fully aware of his own uncleanness, and he is fully aware of Jesus' ability to make him clean. Let me remind you this morning, church, that we are wholly unclean on our own, and we need Jesus to make us clean. And this leper fell down face forward, face down on the ground. He was demonstrating humility. He was, he was demonstrating an act of worship. He fully understood his position, his weakness, his situation, and his powerlessness. But he also fully understood Jesus' position, Jesus' authority, Jesus' mission, and Jesus' power. And so we must approach Jesus with this same posture. We are weak. He is strong. We're powerful. He has all authority. We must fall on our face in worship because Jesus is worthy. And so what was Jesus' approach to this leper, to this one who was unclean? I love this. The one who, who by his touch can make others unclean. If this leper touched you, you were unclean. And so what does Jesus do? What is Jesus' response to this leper? He doesn't withdraw or back away. He reaches out and he touches the leper. That's Jesus' response to us in our uncleanness. The old song says, I was lost and undone without God or his son till he reached out his hand for me. He had to reach way down. I love that line, way down for me. Hear this, church. Jesus has the power to make unclean things clean. His light drives out darkness. His life overcomes death. His holiness makes the unclean clean his holiness makes the unholy holy his righteousness makes the unrighteous righteous his blood covers our impurity jesus does it and jesus touches us in our uncleanness he touches us in our sin he touches us in our unrighteousness and he changes our nature he changes who we are jesus makes the unclean clean we can't do it we can't do it but jesus does it you cannot cleanse yourself. You cannot make yourself righteous. You cannot make yourself holy. But Jesus can and Jesus does. 
And everyone who recognizes their sickness and their uncleanness, who seeks out Jesus, Jesus touches, Jesus heals, Jesus makes whole. Second miracle in this passage in Luke chapter 5. This time it's, it's a paralyzed man. This miracle, I love this miracle because Jesus doesn't do it the way everyone expects Jesus to do it. He doesn't even do the miracle they expected him to do first. first. <laughs> he does another miracle first. So let's check it out, right? It's verse 17 of chapter 5. One day, or one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. And just then some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. And since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus and seeing their faith he said friend your sins are forgiven and then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves who is this man who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sin but God alone but perceiving their thoughts Jesus replied to them why are you thinking this in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to, on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And immediately he got up before them, picked up what was he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. We have seen incredible things today. First note this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were keeping an eye on what Jesus was doing. Legalists always want to make sure that they have control over the work of the Spirit. Second note this, the man who received the miracle did nothing on his own to receive that miracle. Nothing. He didn't touch Jesus. He didn't ask Jesus. He didn't get to Jesus on his own accord. This man did nothing to receive his miracle. But this man was brought to Jesus. I, I want to stop here and just say this. There is nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself righteous, to make yourself holy. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself alive when you are dead in your trespasses and sins. The only hope is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit works to convict of sin and to draw us to God so that we can hear and be awakened to the things of God, be renewed in the Spirit. There is no, We are dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, rich in mercy, abounding in love, he makes us alive. And Paul tells us in Ephesians that he seats us together in heavenly places with Christ. Nothing that you can do on your own. You are as dead as this man in the paralyzed state. You are as helpless as he was. But we have a friend who sticks closer to a brother. 
We have one who would lay down his life for his friends, and that is Jesus, who is coming to save and to rescue. These folks in, in this story in Luke, they loved their friend so much that, that they made sure he got in a position to hear the word of Jesus, to feel the touch of Jesus, to experience the power and the authority of Jesus. I would ask you this morning, who are you bringing to Jesus? also say this, who you hang out with matters. Your friends are either going to carry you to Jesus or carry you away from him. The people you hang with are either going to bring you closer or walk you away. Who are you hanging out with and who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you demonstrating the gospel This morning, maybe some of you have friends who are powerless, but they need you to continue to keep praying for them. They're powerless for their miracle, but they need you to keep praying for them. They need you to keep encouraging them. They need you to keep, to keep telling them about Jesus. They need you to keep inviting them to church. They need you to not give up. It looks hopeless. Their situation looks hopeless. Their life looks hopeless. The choices they have made, it feels like there is nothing that is going to change in their life. Don't give up on them. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep leading them to Jesus. They're lost, they're broken, they're bound, they're held captive, they can't walk, they can't stand up. They need you to bring them to Jesus. And nothing was going to stop these friends from bringing this paralyzed man to Jesus. Nothing was going to prevent them from putting him in the position to receive his miracle. And when they get their friend to Jesus, I love this, when they get their friend in front of Jesus, Jesus does the most powerful miracle Jesus does. The most powerful miracle that Jesus performs is forgiving sins. There is no greater miracle than the miracle of forgiveness. I've seen great miracles. The fact that I'm alive today is a miracle. The fact that my mom was able to deliver me, even having a placenta previa and, and losing, losing nine units of blood and me drowning in my mother's blood. The Lord healed and fixed and moved. And she delivered me naturally, and I'm a miracle just being here. My son, miracle. A month old and quits breathing and changes color. Lord raises him. My daughter healed of epilepsy. My wife healed. I've seen great, powerful miracles, but there is no miracle greater than forgiveness. There is no miracle greater salvation. There is no greater miracle 
than the miracle of your debt being canceled. No greater miracle than the miracle of your guilt being removed. No greater miracle than the miracle of your shame being erased. No greater miracle than becoming a son or a daughter of God, adopted by the Spirit, a joint heir with Christ. There is no greater miracle than being saved. There's no greater miracle than that. And there's no miracle that made the religious leaders of Jesus' day more angry than when he declares sins forgiven. They don't mind Jesus healing physical sickness or disease so much. They didn't like the crowds that gathered, but there wasn't really much they could do about it. When he would raise the dead, when he would feed the hungry, but when he starts forgiving sinners, they begin to yell out charges of blasphemy and begin to plot ways to take Jesus out. When Jesus starts forgiving sinners, they get upset. They say he's claiming to be God. Listen, listen, church. Listen, young person. Don't let anyone ever tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God or that Jesus never understood himself to be God. There are, there are, there are folks who will say that claim that Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus in this moment, this declaration, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law understood this forgiveness of sin that Jesus did to be a declaration of of deity and an act of blasphemy. They said, you can't forgive sin, only God can forgive sin. And Jesus said, oh yeah, watch this. He raises the paralytic from his mat. And he says, so that you can understand that I have the power to forgive sins, let me show you that I can forgive sins by raising this guy from the dead. Jesus fully understood their claim, and Jesus embraced it, and Jesus said, I'll show you who I am. I am God. I have the power to forgive sin, and I have the power to heal the sick, and I have the power to judge. Jesus is demonstrating that all power and authority as the Son of Man belongs to him. What's the Son of Man? It's, yeah, that, that's an, another sermon, but quickly, because he says this, that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. That's what Jesus says. The Son of Man is the title that Jesus uses the most when referring to himself. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man more times than he calls himself anything else. And when he does that, he's pointing back to a vision by Daniel in the Old Testament, this vision of the Ancient of Days who is like the Son of Man. And this Ancient of Days is, is God whose kingdom is eternal. And what Jesus is saying by declaring himself Son of Man is he is saying, I am the Ancient of Days that, that Daniel saw. You thought that you thought that I was, that I was being blasphemous by healing sin. How about this? I'm the Son of Man. I'm the ancient of days. I'm the king of kings. I'm the eternal God. I am. Jesus is demonstrating himself in this 
passage, in this story, in this event, not only by his actions, but by his words and by his self-identification as the Son of Man. Jesus is revealing himself to be the eternal king. Jesus is revealing himself to be the only God who forgives. Healing sickness is not a hard thing for God. Forgiving sin is something that only God can do. And Jesus is revealing himself to be God. Jesus can heal sickness, but even greater than healing sickness, Jesus can forgive your sin. Tell me what's too hard for God to do. Tell me what God can't do. Tell me who God can't redeem. Tell me who God can't restore. Tell me what Jesus can't reconcile. Tell me what Jesus and who Jesus can't rescue. Tell me what is too hard for Jesus. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for Jesus. There is nothing that my God cannot do. And this morning, I want you to hear this. If you are living a life of sin, what does that mean? It means that you are living a life contrary to the character and nature and revealed will of God. You're in rebellion against the character and nature and revealed will of God through the word and through Christ Jesus. If you are in sin, Jesus can save you and heal you and forgive you and make you new and put you on the right path of righteousness and holiness, Jesus can bring you to God. He can forgive your sins, wipe your sin away, cancel the debt of wrong, the record of wrong, remove your guilt, remove your shame, make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. You can become a son or a daughter of God today because of Jesus, not because of your own righteousness, because our righteousness is as filthy rags, but Jesus but Jesus makes us righteous. We've got one more miracle story. This is a good one too. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. Jesus sits down with some sinners. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he did something that none of us would do. He hung out with the tax collector. He said, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet, a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them, but the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners to repentance. See, these other two miracle stories were obvious, right? The leper is cleansed and made whole, declared clean, his leprosy dealt with. The paralyzed man is healed physically, but healed spiritually. Those, are, those miracles are obvious. But maybe this miracle isn't as obvious. Maybe you don't see this miracle right away. That's okay. That's okay. Here's the miracle. The miracle is that Jesus calls the outcasts. 
here's the miracle. The miracle is that Jesus sits with sinners. This gets me excited. The miracle is Jesus makes the unclean clean and the sinner righteous. The miracle is that Jesus isn't worried about being mislabeled or mischaracterized. The miracle is Jesus isn't worried about his reputation. Here's the miracle. Jesus' missional mandate was more important to him than religious political posturing. That's a miracle. Here's what scripture, of course, says. Scripture says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. And as believers, we're not Jesus. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard against temptation. We're not Jesus. There are places we can't go because we know that we will fall or give into temptation. We are not Jesus. But I think sometimes, church, I think sometimes we avoid the sinner not because we're trying to guard against our own weaknesses, but because we care more about the sin than the sinner. Sometimes we avoid the sinner not because we're trying to guard against, guard our heart. But because the sin makes us think the sinner is not worthy. Not worthy of love, not worthy of not worthy of demonstrating and proclaiming the gospel. Sometimes I feel like we have the cure, but aren't sure if they're worth the trouble to give it to them. That we have the cure, but aren't sure if we want to do the messy work of bringing it. That we have the cure, but we're not sure even if it's powerful enough to work on them. Have you seen their sin? Do you see what they do? Do you see where they've been? Do you see who they are? Do you know their past and their history? We have the cure, but we're not sure if it's even strong enough to work. sometimes we think that their sin is greater than our Savior. But Jesus sits with sinners. Jesus sits with sinners. Why? Because he said it's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the righteous who need repentance, but the sinner. The miracle is Jesus bringing righteousness to the sinner. The miracle is Jesus coming near to the ones who couldn't come near to him. The miracle is Jesus coming near to the ones who have been pushed away, have been excluded, who have been labeled who we don't like and don't want to have anything to do with or who we feel have wronged us and Jesus sits with them and Jesus goes to their house 
miracles, Jesus comes near to the ones who have been pushed away. Pushed away by who? Because Jesus didn't push them away. What are we doing as believers, as the people of God? How can we bring near but not push away? Here's what Jesus did. The miracle is that Jesus comes. He came to their table. And the miracle is that Jesus comes to our table. And he brings grace and he offers a fresh vision of God. A vision of in fullness, a complete revelation of God. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Jesus is God coming to the center, sitting down at their table, and bringing the miracle of the kingdom. And here's what Jesus still does. Jesus still meets us at the table. The miracle for us is that Jesus invites us to his table to eat the bread of his flesh and drink the wine of his blood. The table is where Jesus meets with sinners and makes them right. The table is where we leave the dissatisfaction of the meals we have feasted on in the past for the satisfaction of the feast the table is where we meet the miracle of Jesus. First, he comes to our house and our table. That's God taking on flesh. And then he invites us to his table and his house. And he gives us his spirit. There is life at the table this morning. There is forgiveness and healing at the table this morning. You can receive all of Jesus at the table this morning. There is a message in the miracle. There is a meaning in the miracle. And the meaning is Jesus thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you have invited us to the table, that you came to our house, and now you invite us to your table. This morning, 
heads bowed, eyes closed. As we do every Sunday here at New City Church, we receive communion. Because we really do believe that Jesus wants to meet us. salvation to us and that we can meet him at the table. You don't have to be a member of this church to come and receive communion. It could be your very first time here. Because this communion table isn't about me and it's not about membership in this local body it's about coming to Jesus it's about recognizing our need for a savior and it's about confessing our sin and turning to Jesus for So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and receive. But before I do that, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You would say this morning, Pastor Brock, I'm not in a right relationship with Jesus. I haven't surrendered my life to him. I am in rebellion against whether it's his character, his nature, his word, his revealed word. I am living in, in sin and separation from God. I might be a good person, as good as the next guy. But I haven't been made new by Jesus. And you would say, Pastor Brock, I want to be made new this morning. I want Jesus to forgive my sin like that paralyzed man. I want to be like Levi, and I want to hang out with Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning, just to prevent anyone from being embarrassed or afraid to respond. You would say this morning, that's me, Pastor. I need to experience this grace and forgiveness of Jesus. this morning as you in a moment come and receive the elements of communion we have some songs this morning we have prayed we have given in the offering and the spirit of God has met us met us in those things, how much more will the Spirit of God meet us now? If you desire prayer after you receive the elements of communion, you're welcome to stay here. I've seen people saved, I've seen people healed, I've seen people delivered during communion. And if you need prayer,
you to slip out your aisle on your left side, receive the elements of communion at the table in front of your section, and then slip back on the right side of your aisle. And if you desire prayer, stay here. We just believe in what the Bible says. We'll anoint you with oil, we'll pray for you, and we'll trust God to do what only God can do. So we invite you in this moment, would you stand with us now? And we invite you in this moment to receive, to come to the table. Come to the table and receive. In Jesus' name. experience hope and healing and salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for the cup and for the bread. Thank you for your body and for your blood. We worship you in this house right now. This is my body that's broken for you. Take and eat. Thank you for inviting me here to the table. Thank you for not leaving me outside. Thank you for not leaving me looking in. You took the cup and you blessed it. And you said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Poured out for the remission of sin. Drink all of it. the cup 
Christ Jesus has crushed the curse, broken the chains, and set us free. Set us free. So God, right now, we thank you. We thank you that you have met us in this house today. We thank you, Jesus, that you have spread out a table before us and you chased us down and you said taste and see that the Lord is good thank you Jesus thank you for this good news thank you for this good news we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus name church said, amen.